first, I guess I just want to, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of listeners, I guess, who um, are listening who perhaps can relate to a lack of connection and bond with their baby um, from their own birth experience. And perhaps they haven't realised that actually what they went through was, uh, you know, feasibly called birth trauma because we've oh. normalized these really over medicalized births so you know um and and that phrase that you keep saying you know well just focus on your healthy baby that's what's most important it could have been so much worse you know mm. like so we're, we're taught to suppress our own experience of birth and to be grateful to um to you know like uh, things could have been worse i'm just going to be grateful um so i think there's a lot of unrecognized and therefore unhealed trauma within a lot of parents out there in the world. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. G'day and welcome to Nutritious Conversations. I'm your host, Duncan McMartin. My intention is that these chats with my guests add as much richness to your life as they do mine. And you too can be inspired to indulge in nutritious conversations with friends, family and complete strangers. Big love and enjoy. Well, g'day everyone. Welcome to another episode of Nutritious Conversations. I'm, uh, I, I seem to say this with all my guests, but uh, this Carla has been uh, sitting in my psyche all week as far as the excitement around this. Um, we were just chatting before I hit record and uh, as per normal, it's like, oh my gosh, I just got to record because there's already it's uh, the wisdom and the, the the passion and the and the love is flowing, so which is amazing. But Carla Sargent, welcome. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation as well. Completely unscripted, so I don't know what we're going to be talking about really, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll flow into what's wanted to come forward, which I think is amazing. So, Carla, I, 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 we connected in via Lindley, and um, and it was through Lindley's um, exploration of uh, a birth trauma and looking at the healing side of things. So, you're a birth trauma healer and educator, which I'm excited to dig into. But before we kick off, what book are you reading at the moment? What's front of mind for you? Oh, oh, oh. I don't know on. the title of it. Um, I should have prepped myself for this because I heard you ask this question on another one of your interviews. Yeah. Um, but it's on um, looking at the shadow self. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? We were just chatting about that before we hit record. <laughs> the shadow self. So. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how's that landing with you? What's, uh, what's, um, I haven't, I dived into it too much yet. Um, I've kind of had lots of things coming up, big, heavy things coming up recently, and they've kind of been taking precedence over, um, over reading time. But this is all bringing the shadows to light. So I guess, you know, um, sometimes when you open that door and sort of say, I want to learn more and find out more, then, you know, the universe answers. And, um, yeah, so, so I can't I can't say much to to the book, but um, yep, life is um, bringing mm. bringing some shadows to light, which is interesting and uh, you know a little bit daunting and kind of exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, all the things. Mm. I love I love that. I love your description of this. So I, I I what I'm really seeing is there's a real there's a real um, 
touching of the the soul going on as far as moving a lot of us who who, who are really wanting to to step into the the fullness of who we are and and it's the we're really being invited to to own the the, the totality of who we are um I dropped the word sovereignty before we started chatting and you just said that is such a powerful word in relation to birth, which is amazing. So, look, just a bit of context. So, like, you've, you you dropped a podcast and I listened to that podcast and I just went, oh, my gosh, this is just going to be incredible. And I'll, I'll share that podcast in my show notes as well because I think that gives a beautiful bit of background. But can we can we do a, bit, a little bit of a sojourn with sort of what got you to this point within this birth trauma of space? And yeah. um, what do you, yeah. what, whatever you feel like you, you want to share in that space, short, long, doesn't really matter, but um, the floor is yours. <laughs> oh, well, I'm pleased you said short or long. <laughs> I, you know, I struggle to share my story and how I got to this point without it being, uh, you know, with um uh, quite a lengthy story so mm. uh, if it is rambling too much or you know just feel free to kind of um steer me in a different direction mm. uh, but also just for your listeners Duncan you said about a podcast interview I have um just a little over a year ago started my own podcast mm. um my my business healing birth um and it's called healing birth with Carla so I sent yeah, I sent you a, a one of my episodes so you could get a taste yeah, of what yeah. it's all about. So just um, in case that was confusing for your listeners. Yeah, sorry um, about that. That's my explanation of it. I, that was ex- <laughs> I'll put that all in the show notes as well anyway, Carla, but thank you. Yeah, so the Healing yeah. Birth podcast, yeah. Yeah, because like I'm all about the shared story, Duncan. Mm-hmm. You know, like, as as it sounds like you are, people learning from hearing other people's stories and other people's journeys, and that's why I started the podcast was so that um, people could learn and heal and grow, and that's through listening to other people's stories. And Lindley, who put us together, is mm-hmm. uh, she's been interviewed on my podcast as well. Um, but yeah, the journey, my journey to getting here. So. Um, we got to go way back to <laughs> the story of my own birth. And, uh, you know, I was born in the mid-70s. I was the third, the last of, of three children, three daughters. Um, and my mum, you know, she had really straightforward births with my older sisters, um, but they were your standard kind of hospital birth experiences with the, um, you know, you go in and you get shaved and get an enema and have the episiotomy cut and all the, all those sorts of interventions were just like the standard thing. That's just what was done. They were routine. Um, and possibly the most difficult or traumatic um, piece of, of the stories of my sister's birth for my mum was that they got taken off her and put in the nursery, which was kind of the done thing back then as well, mm-hmm. and only brought to to, to the mum for feeding, you know, every three hours or whatever it was. Um, and she could hear a baby crying down the hall and was told, no, you're to stay in bed, you know, we'll bring your baby to you when when she needs to be with you kind of thing. And so when, when mum got pregnant with me, she wanted my story to be different, and she'd she'd heard um, that about home birth and um, you know over and more overseas stories. So she had some beautiful home birth books, which I've um, now <laughs> mm. now got in my library behind me here. Mm. Um, but beautiful, these kind of real happy home birth books with images of you know 
women birthing kind of naked with just their socks on and the land on a mattress on the floor by the fire with the dog at their side and their their partner kind of lovingly embracing them and you know these looks on their faces of kind of like wide-eyed but also blissed out and mm. you know and yeah so part of what I grew up understanding around birth was that birth was this blissful kind of um, very much a a normal, um, enjoyable even occasion, right? Mm. And and so the story of my birth, um, mum was, mum and dad were planning uh, for me to be born at home, which wasn't like we lived in Hamilton, New Zealand at the time, and there weren't any home births taking place um, then, and so there were no midwives and doctors that kind of attended home births there. Mm. Um, but mum was determined and she kind of rang around and found a midwife who lived about two hours away um, who was willing to come and attend my birth, you know. Um, as part of that story as well, mum gathered a meeting of any interested parties, so midwives, obstetricians, um, other consumers, who wanted to come and hear about her plans to have a home birth and learn about home birth. Wow. So she was to garner some kind of, I guess, community support. And um, so our family GP was at that meeting. And, um, yeah, there was a there was a bunch of people there. I've actually got the old cassette recording of it. It's really Oh, nice. serious. Yeah. yeah. And so I've been trying to um, – transcribe it but it's so difficult to hear because it's such poor quality but it's pretty epic having that um so she went to quite some lengths to really try and set herself up for the birth experience that she wanted with me Mm. and um unfortunately she went into labor with me a little earlier than expected um not majorly but she couldn't get hold of the midwife. I mean, they didn't have mm. cell phones and um, and that back then. And she, I think, was attending another birth, you know, two hours mm. away. Um, so, unfortunately, mum couldn't um, go ahead with her home birth plans. Mm. Uh, but she contacted our family GP who had been at that meeting and um, and said, you know, if I come and birth in the hospital, will you support me um, to have kind of, like an undisturbed birth so she had this list of things that she got him to sign you know that she wouldn't have an episiotomy that she would birth in whatever position she pleased that uh she would be uh, uh, supported to you know go home with me as soon as possible after the placenta was birthed that I wasn't to be taken out of her arms um you know Mm. like after I was born, yeah, this kind of list of, of things that, and that my cord, my umbilical cord wasn't to be clamped and cut until it was oh. pulsating, which my GP, our GP had never seen before because that was just, all these things were sort of standard routines, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, she did amazing and there was, you know, a beautiful gentle birth and had me home within half an hour of birthing my placenta and that's the story of my birth. And this is what I grew up hearing about. And um, mm. and I I was like awestruck. And mm. whenever I'd see a, a, a pregnant woman or, you know, a newborn baby, I would like there would be this kind of stirring in my belly. Like it would be like, oh, my gosh, like how exciting. Like, mm. And it, as I got a little older, I was like, um, actually, I would love to be a part of people's 
birthing journeys. And, you know, I want to become a midwife. Uh, so that was when I was about 13 or 14, I made that call. And um, and sure enough, when I left school, that's what I went on to study and become. So I was a very young midwife. I was the youngest graduate that had through the direct entry midwifery mm-hmm. program here in New Zealand. So it was a three-year degree, Bachelor of Midwifery. Um, but I tell you what, I was pretty shocked and disillusioned coming through midwifery school um at the reality of of birth as, mm. as it is in this very over medicalized um culture of birth that we're currently currently in and have been for mm. a long time. Mm. Uh, you know, like in New Zealand here, um you you can choose to have a home birth if you please. It's all covered by under the public health system. There are lots of midwives who will attend home births. Um but only, you know, over the years, sort of uh, three to five percent of the population choose to birth at home, and I think that says a lot because, um, you know, it should only be a small fraction of the population that actually need mm. hospital um, staff and equipment and facilities in order to be able to safely birth their babies. Mm. So. There is something going on out out there mm. <laughs> that is causing us to be really fearful um, and mistrusting of birth and our birthing capabilities and our birthing bodies, and to put mm. all our faith and trust into medicine. Um, and so, so yeah, coming coming through the system as a student midwife, I mean, I did ask to be put with home birthing women and home birth midwives as much as possible. Um, but realistically, you know, um, a lot of the births I was attending, um, yeah, were hospital births. And um, I remember just distinctly, and I, I feel like I want to share this as an example of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that disillusionment that I'm talking about here. So remember my... Um, I guess, vision of birth that I was sort of mm. trying to get earlier of, you know, this woman birthing in the lounge face at home and it, it all being quite mm-hmm. ecstatic. Yeah. Um, so I attended this birth. So she was a first-time mum, birthed in hospital, did a great job of birthing her baby uh, and was holding her newborn. She had sustained a tear mm-hmm. and um, and so she needed it to be sutured. And they had the on-call obstetrician come in to do the suturing. And he was sort of this this old guy who came in and he kind of sort of gruffly introduced himself. I don't know if he even did. I, I just, I remember thinking, gosh, he hasn't even said like congratulations or smiled at her or mm. like there's no acknowledgement that she's just been through this epic, amazing life, you know, <laughs> um, journey. And he's come in and kind of just sat himself between her her splayed knees and proceeded to sort of inject her with this um, anaesthetic and, and, you know, her, like, Mm. her sore tissues. And obviously that's painful. Um, But then he starts to put the needle into her to, like, suture her. And every time he tries to put the needle in, she's, like, drawing herself up the bed and she's, like, you know... um, clearly in pain and trying to like escape um mm. the needle and and instead of instead of him saying oh I'm, you know I'm sorry like let's put some more anesthetic in or let's get you some more pain relief 
instead he slaps her on the insides of her thighs and says to her, relax, relax. How am I supposed to do this if you're going to keep tensing up like that? Jesus, yeah. And I was just shocked. Mm. I was shocked. I was like, what is going on here? And why isn't the midwife saying something? And why isn't her husband saying something? Mm. What, what, What's going on? And, I mean, it didn't take me long of being part of that world to realise mm. that, I mean, that's all become very normalised, that that is part and parcel of a lot of people's experiences, different versions of that sort of abuse. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, and then out there working as a midwife, it was challenging um, mm. in a lot of regards as mm. well. I mean, I was pretty pretty young and <clears throat> naive. Um, I certainly hadn't found my voice. I found it difficult to advocate mm. um, without shame around mm. um sort of feeling complicit and, and some of the and trauma and hmm. and abuse that I was witnessing within the birth space. Um, and so it was almost a bit of a relief to me when I got pregnant with my daughter at, at a couple of years into my midwifery practice. Um, mm-hmm. And I was raising her as a solo mum and couldn't really be, continue to be, you know, the midwife I needed to be and the mother I needed to be, so mm. kind of left midwifery behind me. Um, mm. And she's 23 now, so it's, it's quite some time ago that I worked mm. as a midwife. Um, my own birth experiences, I've had three children. I've got two sons who are 13 and 15, um, but all beautiful home births, water births, very gentle. Um, I loved giving birth. I had a lot of family present at all my my birth so usually about nine or ten people at my birth mm. <laughs> um and it was just a real yeah beautiful celebratory time um wow mm. yeah uh but that that first birth laura's birth was really really impactful um i mean as every birth is but just it's such a massive transition for for women going from you know maiden to mother um Mm. it's a hugely challenging transition um especially in a culture that doesn't really honor or recognize that massive transition Mm. uh, and the lack of support there is for new families um after birth and um, the lack of education and the lead up to that experience. So we really are, as new parents, kind of thrown in the deep end in a lot of ways. And I was just so incredibly grateful that I was coming off the back of a an incredibly empowering birth experience where, uh, you know, like, yeah, I just recognised how amazing my body is and how I can just trust my instincts and trust my intuition that I'm made for this and mm. and I think having that sort of a birth experience sets us up to enter motherhood feeling really trusting of our bodies mm. and our yep. instincts and our intuition to be able to parent our babies the way that they need to be parented we need to trust that we know what's best for them and not outsource um you know mm. that um yeah so I had a real difficult time breastfeeding her I had a lot of breastfeeding struggles um for the first couple of months and I credit my empowering birth experience to enabling me to 
get through that and continue mm. I continued to breastfeed her till she was three um so you know like we did it did it did come right <laughs> but mm. it was really challenging for a long time and I feel like had I come through birth the way that I and my work as a birth trauma healer um see people coming through birth um you know or hear hear about their stories you know they enter motherhood feeling um like failures feeling like their body let them down feeling like they went strong Mm -hmm. enough feeling like they needed the experts to rescue their baby Mm -hmm. from faulty body and it was just as well I was in the hospital and it was you know I um and feeling like a failure because they they're not bonded to their baby and and all these things it's like it's as if it's not challenging enough to then have trauma on top um it's Mm. just it's massive and it's causing a lot of what I believe is you know, wrong in the world today. <laughs> like, right, right. you know, I, yeah, yeah. I really do believe that to heal our earth, it begins with healing birth. And, the, you know, that, um, I, wow, seriously, man, I'm, I'm so glad you're on this earth at this point in time and what you've <laughs> experienced because I think this is what we, we really, this is the gift that we've, we've, we've got. And I, and I think there's so many areas I'd love to go into. And I think, what was really quite profound was your recognition of the sabotaging the integration which actually affected the connection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's what's really really incredible at this point in time and mm-hmm. before we I hit record i mentioned to you that both my kids were born at home mm-hmm. and um my mother was actually a midwife uh, yeah. And so she she actually really really pushed into that midwifery space and she'd experienced some pretty traumatic things within the hospital Mm-hmm. Um, now I was um, my brother and I were born in the same year, nineteen seventy. He's in January and I'm in December. Wow! Yeah, so um, bit of naivety thinking that if you're breastfeeding, you don't can't. Feel <laughs> yes. no, yeah. that's not true. <laughs> so I was born in an environment, and they were actually renovating the uh, the hospital, King George V Hospital in Sydney at the time. And um, so I was actually officially born in a tent, so I can leave doors open. Um, and <laughs> the old saying would be, you bought it a tent? Yeah, actually I was. Um, so they'd, they'd sort of created these petitions and stuff like that. So straight away, your space isn't held. And mum was drugged to the eyeballs. So when I was presented to her, it was, it, her first statement was, oh, it's ugly, get it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. And she could hear herself speaking these words. Now, that's not her innate. That's mm-hmm. coming from the interference and that lack of integration. Now, um She'd also had, I, 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 I wish I'd had time to, oh, she passed away 13 years ago, um, mm-hmm. but it would have been interesting to dig into my brother's birth and to, to look at that side of things because he was separated. When I was born, he was separated off. My brother didn't speak for about, he didn't become, um, he, he's making up for it now, but till the age of three, he wasn't really speaking um, mm-hmm. much. And so it, it would be interesting. He's, you know, he, he's, he's a functioning adult and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but it's, but it's, um, it's what is fascinating about it because the classic thing people say is that, well, your baby's healthy. What's your problem? And, and it's like, for freak's sake, guys, you don't actually understand the importance of what's going on. First of all, that first birth, yeah, um, 
to be able to actually have a birth, and as you were alluding to so beautifully, was the the importance of the um, the transformation that occurs, that movement from the maiden to the mother. But the the transformation is the integration of that experience, and there is there is a complete um, oh, there is a deeper connection with the, that innate, which then sets you up for the parenting side of things and we can understand why there's a there is actually a a um pandemic of um postnatal depression mm-hmm. a pandemic of and i'm going to use that word graphically because it is that's what it is it's it's a, the, because there has been this complete not a sabotage of that integration mm-hmm. that gets uh, the 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 beautiful gift of birth that that is is um I mean, this all things can be healed, and this is what you're probably experiencing through the through the work that you're doing now, which I think is incredible, because the innate will come forward with with an invitation. But we, when I look at it, yeah, yeah, we can teach a child something top by sticking an iron on its hand, all right? But that's abuse. And what we're seeing is, is birth is actually moved into a into an environment of abuse, as opposed to an environment of something that is so profound. So my my uh, uh, um, the mum of the, my two kids incredibly courageous to to birth at home and yeah. to be able to um, as a male um, it's really interesting as a bloke what is our function in that space uh, and and for me it was really and I was I was young like seriously I was twenty two I think when Kelly my daughter was born. And to surrender, but to hold that space. And it was just my mum and my father and my wife and myself. And my dad's downstairs, you know, we're renting a house in Brisbane. My dad's downstairs hearing all the the beautiful sounds that go on during birth. And and my mum is just holding a beautiful space inside of that womb that energetic womb and holding that space and the dad's standing that masculine space of holding the 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 world out yeah and and i was able to actually just be there and it was such an incredible experience to 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 witness um the kid's mum um she was in the bath um and she said, I can't do this. And what was amazing was she said that a few times and then she surrendered. It was just this. And I, and I saw the bliss in, in her face. I saw the, you see in these, these pictures, these religious pictures of the halo, that, that aura, that energy that comes off. And I'm just looking at, mum was really interesting. She did not want to interfere. So she was just she was sitting in the periphery, like even outside of the periphery, and and realizing the important. I'm getting teary actually talking about it, um, and being able to actually hold that space and realize the significance of that was really powerful. And then, and I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her name. Heidi um, got out of the bath. Um, and we went, we had a mattress on the ground and she was on 
all fours and and Kelly started coming out and I'm sitting there just going. And and mum left the room. And I went, no. <laughs> um it, 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 she just she was just there. And and Kelly came out into my hands. And Heidi just rolled over and I, I passed her up to her. And she sat there with her on her chest. Now, got tears streaming, so excuse me, guys. Because I think the gift that my mum gave me in that space and gave us was profound. And then to actually, you know, the, the cord didn't cut the cord until it stopped pulsing. And it was fascinating because we connected into the Home Library Free Association for Queensland and, and Heidi and I actually became secretaries for it for a period of time. So we were really immersed within the birthing environment and hearing hearing those beautiful gatherings within Brisbane and the stories that you were actually hearing, the wisdom. Oh, my God, seriously, Carlo. It was just, you know, from, from a bloke perspective, hearing that side of things. And then you – but we – Kelly had trouble – connecting and breastfeeding and 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 Heidi's she was in a lot of pain and a lot of the nipples she wasn't attaching she wasn't bringing her tongue forward and and really just getting a beautiful attachment point in that and so she was she would express and I'd feed Kelly with a teaspoon because we didn't want to confuse teats at that time mm -hmm. and and so and and Heidi courageously just kept on stepping up to the plate stepping up to the plate and eventually Kelly connected and you know that was a, that was incredible, absolutely incredible. You know to experience that. And then Cameron was born in a spa <laughs> underwater up in Noosa, <laughs> you know. And and that was a that was just truly incredible to see this this beautiful soul come into this world underwater, uh, and the cord attached. And you know it was just amazing. So yeah, I mean that that seriously. I mean I've, I've sort of brushed over it, but you can see the. The, the power of and, and and the gift that it keeps giving you. I mean, we're talking, you know, Kelly's be 31 this year, you know. So we're we're talking, you know, 31 years. And I can still I, I still have the gift of that integrating a more deeper um aspect of who I am as a male, mm -hmm. bringing that feminine aspect of myself, that nurturing aspect of myself that actually softens the lover archetype within me. And and brings that forward, and I and I think that's incredibly powerful, which is amazing. So yeah, I mean, it, I still get tears streaming, guys. Sorry, that's this beautiful release. It's obviously something, and that's that's what I see with integration is that there is a release, you know, to receive. There's this release that goes on, and so now there's just another upregulation in who I am as a person. That another integration, which is amazing. But thank you for sharing your story. I think it was, and. I remember reading, and it, it was fascinating. There's a there's some amazing obstetricians, uh, Grantley Dick Reed, uh, yeah. Michelle Michelle O'Dent is another one that was actually out there. I remember reading those books. Now they didn't have the full picture and stuff like that, and they're looking at it from a bloke's perspective inwards. But they had enough wisdom, and as clumsy as they may have been in some of their articulation of it, they had enough wisdom to understand the importance of the innate wisdom of the woman, and that birth is not. This is not a place for fear to be the predominant um, energy in that room. Mm -hmm. And you can understand why Scientology, and I'm not a fan of Scientology, by the way, but you can understand why Scientology bangs on about silent birth 
in the sense of silent, not for, as far as the noises, but silent is what are you introducing into that space from a fear perspective? And again, not a fan of Scientology. I'm not a fan of cults. <laughs> Just to put that out there. But anyway, each to their own. You can get into it whatever you like, you guys. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. So look, let's keep going in this space because I think the the importance of that integration moment. Because I think the thing that's sort of coming forward. I'd, I'd love to explore this a little bit with you. Mm-hmm. Is the when we see this this statement made, well, you've got a healthy bub, so it's all good. Because mm-hmm. I remember you telling that story of that lady who'd been sewing up and then mm-hmm. you went, you're actually empowered enough to go back and have a chat with her mm-hmm. to say that I'll support you if you want to put in a complaint. And yeah. and she basically said, I, 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 no, 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 I just I just want to forget about it. I just it. want to forget about it. You know, I, new mums, they've, they've got so much to contend with. Mm. That going through a complaint process, like putting energy into that, no, nah, it's just not going to happen. And mm. and often re-triggering, re-traumatizing yourself in the process. And then I tell you what, the number, the fraction, the tiny fraction of women or parents who have their complaint recognized. Mm who have an acknowledgement made of wrongdoing or an apology given mm. uh, or, you know, for changes to be made within the system is so small that I'm like I, now in my role that I'm in working with people who have experienced birth trauma, um, I talk about the importance of if they're going to go through the complaints process to, to ensure it's with eyes wide open. So mm. why are you doing this? What What's the purpose for doing this? And for a lot of them, it's because I don't want it to, to happen to other people. And mm. I'm like, well, you know, do you realize it is? It's the chances of you actually getting your what happened to you, the wrongdoing, acknowledged, apologized for, and for changes to be made is incredibly small. You are more likely to be fobbed off, to be, you know, to have um, whatever happened to you dismissed or um, uh, justified um, as, you know, policy mm. protocols um, in the name done in the name of safety. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's awesome when people do go through the complaints process because we need these voices to be yeah. heard more out there and they've got to be, you know, held in the system somewhere and the more evidence that we can accumulate like that, the better, but, you know, um, prioritise your wellbeing first and foremost and if that is going to make it harder for you at this point in your pe- in the piece, just, you don't, you know, prioritise. That's, it's so wise because I, I, I think what we look at, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm playing in this area, so I'm going to probably fumble over my words a little bit because I'm still, there's parts integrated and parts haven't with the understanding of this. And I'm really, um, I had a beautiful chat with a guy a couple of days ago and we're talking about, and I mentioned the, the, the dark feminine and he went, ah, I'm going to pull you up on there. It's the wounded dark feminine, isn't it? When we look at dark and light, so the thing that's sort of coming through for me at the moment is that we've got the conscious realm, we've got the subconscious realm, and the unconscious realm is where the wound exists. That's the language I'm playing with at the moment, whether that's mm-hmm. correct language, and I may evolve from that point in time, but it's descriptive enough for me to be able to start to understand it. And that unconscious realm, if we're operating from that unconscious realm trying to create, we, 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 we're trying to create a, a conscious expression, it's the wrong foundation to work from. Mm-hmm. And and so if if our if we for, and I know for myself if I operate from the trauma level 
then my foundation is wrong. Um, here's an example that I did martial arts for about 20 years. I used to teach karate. And and one of the things that you, you could actually see if you saw a student throwing a kick, for example, and they kept on spinning with a kick or they couldn't pull that kick back or they couldn't modulate the power behind that kick, the problem was was not their flexibility. The problem wasn't the strength in their leg. The problem was that they didn't have a foundation. Mm. And the foundation had to be had to be whole. It had mm. to be solid. And that foundation was not just about the feet. It was actually the whole body experience of it. How, do I, how am I actually holding my body in that position? Where is my weight distribution? Where is my chin in relation to my shoulders? Where, you know, and then also where where am I in my in my center? Not just my physical center, but in my emotional center. If I'm operating from a point of rage, that I'm at, I'm, I'm or, or anger, I'm I'm going to have a wrong foundation. I'm going to throw a kick, and it's things are going to get real. In a, in a not a very healthy way. So the thing that I look at is the foundation is so important. So talk to me about the trauma healing and, and mm-hmm. yeah, talk to me about that. I, I'm not sure where we're going to go with that, but, yeah, let's jump into that. Well, I, yeah, you, you before you mentioned, you know, Grant Lee Dick Reed and Michelle O'Donnell's as um, obstetricians who were kind of ahead of their time and um, put out some, some beautiful books about kind of what I'm going to, coin at like or term undisturbed births you know the importance of dim lighting of muted sounds of um you know water and um and these sorts of things something else that um that was recognized was the consciousness of the baby being born you Mm. know like if you think about some of the images you may have seen um back in the day with, you know, a baby being born and then held upside down by the feet and spanked on the bottom to get them to start crying and, you know, um, or uh, circumcisions and things like this done and and, uh, parents being led to believe that babies don't feel pain or that, you know, like it's, um, you know, babies are born very conscious little beings that they are and, how they come into the world really matters. And we've talked a bit about it on this podcast episode already, but um, but that connection, that mother-baby bond um, is a really crucial element of, um, yeah, the imprinting that kind mm. of goes on for that child. Um, and, and that does have ongoing impacts because usually it goes unhealed because it's unrecognized, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I don't claim in, in my birth trauma healing work that I do to, um, be, to support the healing of the, of the babies. Um, I mean, I work with mostly the mothers, sometimes the fathers too, mm-hmm. um, but, for instance, one of the tools that I suggest around people finding healing after a traumatic birth experience, I've come to um, suggest that if they feel open to it, that they involve their their baby or their child um, in that tool, in that process. I'm ha- happy to talk about it with you if you like. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Please, but, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's yeah, let's go there. And, and, I, and first, I guess I just want to, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of listeners, I guess, who um, are listening who perhaps can relate to a lack of connection and bond with their baby um, from their own birth experience, and perhaps they haven't realised that actually what they went through was, uh, you know, 
feasibly called birth trauma because we've mm. normalized these really over medicalized births so you know um and and that phrase that you keep saying you know well just focus on your healthy baby that's what's most important it could have been so much worse you know mm. like so we're we're taught to suppress our own experience of birth and to be grateful to um to you know like uh, things could have been worse i'm just going to be grateful um so i think there's a lot of un unrecognized and therefore unhealed trauma within um a lot of a lot of parents out there in the world um so one of the things that i hear a lot of um women express when they're sharing their birth stories with me is uh, the moment that the baby was put first put onto them I, and i loved oh man it was such a gift you sharing your the stories of your children's mm-hmm. births before mm-hmm. it was really moving for me as well um and and especially that moment of birth and I loved that your mum the midwife stood back and Mm. supported held that space for the birth to be what it is designed to be and that's for you you know the three of you to connect as a little family and Mm. um to to savor that incredibly precious moment Mm. right um but yeah, so the story that I hear a lot of people express, the baby was put on me and I felt nothing or I felt numb or it didn't feel like my baby. I just wanted them to take it away. Mm. This, this, and they have held on to so much guilt and shame around that moment because that's the moment we've been waiting for, for forever. And I had this vision of birth and it was nothing like it. And I, I thought I would fall instantly in love with my baby. I've seen those videos of, you know, this euphoric look on a new mother's face as she's gazing at her newborn. Mm. And mine was nothing like that. And I feel so much shame around it that I'm, I'm that I'm sealing my lips about it. I'm not talking about it. And so people think they're alone in that experience. And I just want to say that's a really normal response to a traumatic birth because mm. when we when we give birth in a state of trauma, we don't have access to that powerful love drug in our brain, oxytocin, that is nature's design to cause us to fall in love and feel very protective of our newborn. Mm. Um, And if we don't have access to that and we're in a state of trauma, our body is not prioritizing falling in love with our body. Our our baby, our body is prioritizing survival. Um, So, <clears throat> yeah, if you had a traumatic birth experience, um, it's a really normal response to feel very disconnected from your baby initially. Mm. And there is ways and means to um, to increase and improve that bond and that. Um, and one of them is through 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 going through your own healing journey so this is what I'm privileged with doing in my role and um, I've been doing this work I started up my birth trauma um, healing and education business um, in 2015 so it's been a pretty much a decade of me working with hundreds of families helping them to heal after a traumatic birth experience Um, and I think when we have the opportunity to share our story um, in a safe and validating space and be heard and witnessed. You know, when you said mm. to me, I didn't really know what my role was in the birth. You know, as the guy, what's the role? And mm. you know the word that came to mind for me and you said it later? The first word that popped to my mind was witness. You just need to 
be there. Mm. Witness, witness your your incredible woman do her thing and mm. just you know watch her in awe and love on her. Yeah, <laughs> like that's what you need to do. Um, and you said that I just mm. witnessed her, and I was like, mm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, this is powerful, and and um, the, the the witnessing is is fascinating because I had a, a beautiful chat with a guy called Nathan Maingard and and one of the things that he does in his coaching is is the importance of of witnessing of holding that space mm-hmm. and the power of actually uh, of witnessing that and bringing it forward and i think mm-hmm. this is this this is the the shadow work that 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 actually creates the healing um so we can move from that unconscious wound is that mm-hmm. stepping into that shadow and having a space held now this is fascinating because what we're seeing is we're seeing we're seeing wounds on multiple levels. Um, you're talking about the consciousness of the child. Um, Gabor Mate, if anyone's read any of his stuff, talks about the impact of stress on the gestation time, the pregnancy mm-hmm. time, of, and and that the children have a greater propensity towards addiction if they're mm-hmm. in a high stress environment. And the, and it, it doesn't it doesn't always follow, but it, it, there's a greater propensity. So we're seeing that there is obviously there is a um, uh, a a causality that sits in that space. Um, it's not by chance that we see this. So what we're seeing, and it's fascinating because one of the things that you're mentioning is shame. Now, shame, and I'll, I'll just drop this bit of a story in there and we'll keep going with where you're heading because I love it. I found it very hard to connect with my kids. And what was fascinating was was I was all, my, I never ever felt, my mum never walked across the room. I could never remember my mum walking across the room and giving me a hug. Never remember that. I never remembered that because I see my beautiful wife, Katarina, and, and her three amazing kids, and the relationship she has with them is just incredible, just incredible. There's just this, like, this beautiful bond between them. But I, I, I really struggled with both my kids for a long period of time, still working through some stuff. My daughter and I have had a bit of a falling out, and, and but that's, a, that's part of a letting go of something that's old that needs to die for something new to be born. So I'm just trusting this gestation period of what it looks like at this point in time. But what I found was I did a lot of work on on understanding shame. And so from my definition of shame is guilt is I made a mistake, shame is I am the mistake. Mm. And that's when you've really embodied mm. um, shame. And and what what I actually started to find, I, I did a lot of, I, I ended up working through applied medicine journeys to, to work that healing side of things. It was a modality that I utilised and it was an incredible one. So when I actually got, I got an understanding that my mum was working from shame and when I came in because of the trauma of the birth, that energetics of shame came into me. And so what do we want to do with shame? Just keep it away or push it down, all right? So we want to keep it away. And so we push it away and push it away. So that felt that if I could define the relationship with my mum, it was that, it was push away. Now, when I actually had these plant medicine journeys and I actually went through and I saw mum and why she was working with this generational trauma of shame. Now, we can see this passing on the mantle of, of this and we can actually see why. I mean, you made a beautiful statement. Yeah, if we're going to heal the world, we've got to heal birth. And, and this is so important. And we've got to start somewhere. And part of it is, is that this work that you're doing with, with trauma is just, it is, it is, it is so important because what if we can get healing to occur with that, we're starting to alchemize something that is quite that that is that is permeating through the world and 
we're becoming more and more outsourced, more and more dysfunctional, more and more disconnected, yeah, and less and less integrated. So this is what I started to find. So when I actually was able to see mum and sit there in this, and she'd passed away, by the way. So this is this is having this this um, euphoric experience, which we we know within birth, the actual physical birth, that serotonin can be upregulated into dimethyltryptonate (DMT), and so there can be these this this the veil becomes very thin i think um i had a chat with lindley about this uh, and she won't remind me mentioning but this veil becomes very thin and 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 so you can step into that that high level amazing source consciousness whatever you want to call it god that space that we 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 want to we're connecting into and and so yeah so this healing so when i when that when that was revealed to me and and i sat with mum she brought me in and we hugged and experience that connection and that love and that just I don't have that trauma anymore. It is healed. It is gone. I talk about it as a story, but that's not that that doesn't exist within my body anymore. And so what that's actually done now is it's actually created the the permission's probably not the best word to use, but it's actually paved the way. It's opened the door. It's a, it's lifted that 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 dysfunctional veil away so a new relationship can come in and i can see my son and i having a new relationship mm. my daughter at the moment this is it's an interesting one and i i I'm, I'm trusting the gestation period in that yeah um and it's you know it's basically go away i don't want anything to do with you is what I, she's told me and i'm going okay fascinating all right i'm going to trust that i'm going to just trust that because I'm not going to be the male, the dysfunctional male, and try and fix this. I'm not going to fix it. I'm going to trust the gestation of what's going on. Now, I love her to bits, believe me, but um, I want to love her to whole. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I, that's the space I'm, I'm, I'm really moving in. And what does it actually look like to actually mm-hmm. hold that space and, and love it to whole? Mm-hmm. And trusting the divine, and I think this is this this concept, this analogy of birth is just so incredible. I sort of hijacked us a little bit, so we'll just come back to you with the mm-hmm. the, the trauma and the witness. So we'll come mm-hmm. back to that space of witness and the power of that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I was talking about um, when I work with with women, and sometimes it is couples, but I'll just refer mm-hmm. to women because the majority is I'm um, just working with the mums. Yeah. Um, it's it's a three-hour session so it's, it's lengthy i've uh, just discovered over the years that that's how it kind of needs to be because it's mm. it's so inappropriate to cut someone short mm-hmm. um, whether that's this sharing their story and oh sorry time's up or they've just shared their story and then leaving it at that just feels mm-hmm. too like so we so it takes three hours it's a massive session and it's it's intense and it's awesome um and and it's usually enough just mm. the one um, so the the session looks like they share their story with me, and sometimes that takes people twenty minutes, and sometimes it takes two hours. Uh, and I and I say, you know, um, I'm not so interested in the timeline of events, though. That's usually how people share their story. I'm more interested in how you felt about the various things that were going on. Mm. And sometimes they say, oh, I don't know if I remembered it all. And I'm like, well, that's okay. You you know, but you don't remember. You don't remember. Just share with me what what's what you do recall, what is still very present for you. And um, and like I say, just holding that space for them to share and really be seen and heard in their, whatever their experience was without any judgment. And in fact, the opposite of judgment. 
compassion and seeing them and saying, you know, that as I, I hear that story a lot, you are not alone in that experience. And that is a really normal response to what you went through. And I'm so sorry you went through that rather than, oh, well, you know, at least you've got a healthy baby. Like it could have been worse, you know, like, the, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's, it's like, yeah, I, I see you. I hear you. That was really shitty. I'm so sorry you went through that. And then what I do, and this really utilizes, draws on a lot of my midwifery knowledge and not a lot of my um, understanding of the system, the birthing system, the culture of birth, the power dynamics within the birth space, um, understanding the impacts of our conditioning, how we are groomed really to be compliant in the birth space, um, to be good girls, to not question authority figures, to uh, do as we're told, uh, you know, all this sort of thing really play. you know, we're people pleasers. A lot of us women, mm. um, we're, we're, we're primed to be, to be good girls in the birth space, um, which suits the very sort of patriarchal model uh, yes. I'll just jump in. You said a word that is just very powerful and very true. There's a real truth there, groomed. Mm. That's a very deliberate word, and I think that's a very thoughtful word because I, that it really starts to define this. Um, mm. I had a chat with um, with James, and we we're talking about the when we're seeing the grooming that's going on in that that sort of dysfunctional pedophilia environment. And there's a movie he mentioned, Once Were Warriors, and we mm-hmm. see that with Jake the Mars. And at the end, it's the mother, it's the woman who steps in there and calls it out. Yeah. And and actually calling it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think too long we've been pussyfooting around with just, I don't, I don't want to offend, or we try to hit it with a masculine and it does nothing. Mm-hmm. But this, 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 and, and we can't work from the wounded female, uh, the wounded wounded dark female space because that wounded dark female space is what we went through for the last four years mm. that la- it, it is it is it's dysfunctional it is helicopter parenting and you can understand where it's coming from it's not judging a helicopter parent but you can see that's the person who is who hasn't connected with the innate and doesn't trust that flow mm-hmm. with them, and doesn't trust mm. that the innate has got that child as much as it's got me mm. and i think that term the word groom that i wanted to just hit that word out again yeah. because yeah. there is there is this out grooming is the outsourcing of your authority yes and this is this is what we've lost and it was funny i just had my hair cut this morning and i've got this beautiful it's actually my wife's hairdresser i was hairdresser i was tired of going to barbers because they don't listen they do a lot of talking and I know some hairdressers don't listen either but this this and my lovely wife said Come and see this beautiful hairdresser, and 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 her and I have the most beautiful chats. And she's a young, beautiful young woman. And I I talked to her about. I said, you know, I've got Carla on, and we're going to be talking about this. And and I'm and what that's just doing is it, it's actually starting to create that space for for young women who are thinking about kids in the not too distant future. Seeds planted. Hang on a second. I have my authority. Mm. I have sovereignty here. There's more to this. Mm-hmm. So when they just jump into that that stream of just trust us, it's like, hang on a second, I'm going to walk the bank. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting into that order with you. 
or I'm going to walk the bank and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work this way through till I get to my own birth canal and I'm going to birth me in this situation. And I think, and, 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 so this is fascinating. So I keep going off on tangents because there's so much we can talk about. And Carla, we're going to we'll, we'll keep we'll, we'll exhaust today. But I, I think there's more here. I think there's more here in this space for us to dig into, because I think what my intention with these this podcast is we we want to bring this innate wisdom back into the into our language again, mm. back into the the experience of who we are as humanity. Mm. And to your beautiful point, we want to heal the world. We've got to we've got to heal birth, mm-hmm. and in actual fact, a new world will be born, mm-hmm. a new earth. If we want to talk, use that language sort of thing, which mm-hmm. is good. All right, I've sabotaged again. <laughs> no, I haven't sabotaged. I've just jumped in there because there was that word you said. So come back. Uh, to the, the that's group. great. I love it. Birth I love space. the enthusiasm. And yeah, I've got a sticker on my um, laptop here that says "Heal birth, heal the earth." Okay. <laughs> heal birth, heal uh, the earth. I'm going to write that down because I keep bastardizing it. <laughs> okay, keep talking. Um, I'm just going to write the back. Yes. Uh, yes. So I, I was talking about how I can utilize my midwifery knowledge, my um, understanding of the system and of this conditioning, etc. Um, my now very deep understanding of birthing physiology and um, how that is sabotaged uh, largely by fear, mm-hmm. um, and also the um, impacts of a lot of the really common and growing, uh, growingly common um, interventions yep. that are taking place in the birth space. Um, and I utilise all that understanding and I then help the woman who I'm working with to unpack their birth story and their birth trauma through a different lens. So where they've left the, oh, the birth space thinking, like I said earlier, something along the lines of, uh, thank goodness I was in the hospital and they could rescue my bo- my baby from my faulty body. Mm-hmm. They come out with a different narrative, which is something that um, sees that their trauma was not their fault, mm. that they made the best choices they could based on the support and information they had available to them at the time that their physiology was sabotaged, usually unnecessarily, mm-hmm. that their body is not broken, their body was trying to protect them and their baby. Mm-hmm. You know, failure to progress is really a real common reason for various interventions in the birth space. Mm. You know, oh, you've been stuck at five centimetres dilated for five hours, we need to get this baby born. Mm. Um, uh, and so... Um, and me helping them to understand that your body wasn't failing to progress. You were in a state of fear. And when you're in a state of fear, your body is reading that as now is not a safe place to give birth to a helpless little infant. Mm. There's a danger in the, in the environment, you know. Mm. Um, <laughs> so we're going to, like I use the example, imagine giving birth during kind of caveman times and um, you're you're labouring away in your cave and suddenly there's a saber-toothed tiger at the entrance to your cave. Mm. Body is going to switch out of that parasympathetic nervous system that, you know, that um, where you're receiving that beautiful cocktail of um, helpful birthing hormones mm. and it's going to shut off that oxytocin and it's going to switch on your adrenaline and you're going to be put into fight or flight and your body is going to be primed to either kill off that tiger or to run mm. and 
find safety elsewhere. And once you've done either of those things, then um, you'll calm down, your adrenaline will leave, the oxytocin will switch back on and your body will birth your baby. Mm. So, of course, in, in modern days, we don't have saber-toothed tigers in the birth space, but we have all sorts of other fear-inducing things. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, so when a woman is scared and labelled when she's full of fear, she her body responds by not not opening up, not mm-hmm. releasing her baby, because it's like we've got to kill off that tiger first, mm-hmm. you know? If, yeah, if yeah. when there's a, t- a tiger there, the tiger will eat the newborn. Yeah. So this is our primitive brains at play trying to keep us alive. And mm. our bodies are incredibly wise. And we are just so beautifully made to birth mm. our babies. We're a woman. We're mammals. Mammals have been birthing babies for 65 million years, mm. you know, been evolving mm. to ensure that birth is inherently safe mm-hmm. and rewarding and efficient. Mm. So there's something going on that's interfering with that. And when I help women to understand their story through that different lens and to mm. see how it was that that those interventions that got in the way or that they didn't feel safe with that midwife or, um, you know, there's all sorts of things mm. um, that it could have been different. Um, and if you choose to have another baby, uh absolutely it will be different Mm. you know um that's huge it it lifts such a weight and I often I see it before my eyes this like relief and this um yeah this letting go of guilt and shame yeah Um, yeah and then and and then I um I offer them some tools and I and I said earlier that you know I alluded to one of the tools and I I, I it might be a nice um place for me to sort of round off the, the work I do is by sharing that tool it's one of like so I've, I've kind of just developed a bunch of different tools over the years and I sort of pick and choose what ones I um suggest to women based on their particular sort of story but yeah, I offer a bunch of tools and I say, you know, like anything, just just work with what feels fitting for you and just leave what doesn't. And and I send a follow-up email because it's a three-hour session, that's a lot mm. to take in. So I send a follow-up email with any kind of tools I've suggested and instructions and, so, you know. Um, but so this, this tool that I was referencing before, um, it's a written tool and a, a lot of my tools are mm. um, Writing is a really powerful and cathartic kind of um, way that we can process and heal. Um, And so the tool is to write a letter to your baby. Mm. And um, I want you to express in the letter to your baby what your hopes had been for their birth and start to life. Mm. Your grief at how it unfolded. And then your vision, your hopes for your relationship with that child looking forwards from here. And and I say inevitably this is gonna there's gonna be a lot of grief that surfaces as you're writing this. And please like take your time, let yourself grieve because birth trauma is a form of loss. 
you know mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a lost opportunity and that you can't go back you can't get back and like any loss experience there is going to be a grieving process that follows and because of our culture that says focus on the positives be grateful mm-hmm. uh, we often suppress that grief you know we feel too ashamed to allow ourselves that mm-hmm. grief um and so i'm not only uh, say you have full permission to grieve i say it's super important it's super important you got to feel to heal right mm-hmm. so so as you're writing this letter let the grief surface let the tears flow and then um that used to be it that used to be the the, the tool in its entirety and then it kind of it, it evolved and um and i and i now say and if it feels if you feel okay to do it, because I acknowledge that this might be a bit too woo for some people, mm-hmm. um, I encourage you to read the letter to your baby. Um, and obviously they're not going to understand a word of what you are saying, and it's not about the words. It's about the sharing with your child, mm. the the emotions, the hopes, the the doubts, the, all the things that are coming through you, when you share those with your child, it gives them an opportunity, I believe, to heal um, for themselves. I mean, I don't think anybody would deny the very clear energetic connection that's happening when we are growing a baby in our womb, right? We're not just energetically connected and physically connected. We're also hormonally, they are receiving, you talked about it before, Gabriel Marte's work, um, you know, when a mother has a lot of stress in pregnancy, those stress hormones are going through to the baby and they are, they are impacting. Um, so, yeah, obviously intimately connected in that way, but that doesn't just suddenly cut off the moment that umbilical cord is mm-hmm. cut. Uh, and so I sort of talk about when you share this letter, you're, it's, a, it's, a, it's an energetic sharing. Mm. And it's like I think we do our children a disservice by hiding or um, sort of shamefully hiding our expression of emotion. Our our healing journey is done when, you know, like we're, uh, when they're not in our space, right? Like we're having a cry um, when they're off with Nana or whatever for the weekend. We allow ourselves the opportunity then to, to have a ball and to – do our healing work and I'm like well maybe that's um robbing our children the opportunity to see that this is a really important and beautiful part of Mm. being human and um and enabling their own healing right Mm. instead of suppression this is incredible because it's thank you this is this is just the wisdom that's sitting behind this is just extraordinary i mean i'm sitting there looking at you're still a midwife (laughs) but you're a midwife in a in a different realm Uh, you know you're getting women to birth themselves and um and instead of um feeding the fear that got them stuck and then having to outsource that you're actually going you got this Mm. Go into this. Let's go into this. There is the the part of the the writing and the grieving is 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 in in, in essence surrender. Mm. There is you're not giving up. It's not giving up. This is this is really just surrendering to that innate. And as that as you do that, it meets you and it heals. And that healing energy starts to to grow, and you become very empowered because mm. you're empowered. Mm. 
Mm. And, and, and I think this is what we start to find as we move more and more forward. One of the things, and actually it's funny, I, got, I don't know, I probably, probably can't see it too well, but I've got this sort of thing which actually talks about what, some of the insights that I'm looking at. I'll, I'll probably I'll talk through it. Um, I did a lot of work with kids with um, neurodevelopmental delay. And I did a course with uh, Anslow, a new start for underachievers. And um, and part of it was um, we know the primal reflexes that a child has um, when they're first born, you know, the palmar reflex, Babinski, Galant reflexes and all that sort of stuff. And that's that's all external world influencing us. But what it does is it gets us into this to gain not only postural control but cognitive control the you know the crossing of the the you know the left and the right hemispheres the visual you know being able to read the, the distance that we we crawl at is the same distance we read it you know so that's it's all this training that actually goes on and then the brachiation work that we do when we're we're monkey bars and climbing trees and, and all these amazing work now what's fascinating about this is about bringing that nervous system into its fullness and we know, and I think Dr. Sarah Ferrant, um, who's a chiropractor in New Zealand, actually, uh, and uh, an Aussie lady who's moved over there, Sarah was talking about, um, I don't know if we said it off camera or on camera, I've got to listen back, but she talked about, you know, the importance of the nervous system coming aboard from the age of six, that, you know, we, we start to develop the, the brain and the spinal cord, and it's so important we encase it in bone. And, and so there's this nervous system from the ages of zero to seven that we need to hold this nervous system in a womb, another womb. It's an energetic womb. And that energetic womb is so important because what it does is, is that like a placenta, I can have a different blood on this side, so the mother's blood, and completely different blood on this side. So we can have like an A positive and a, and a, and a, and a, and a an O negative on this side. I think it can work that way. Tell me if I'm my, my physiology wrong. But what's really interesting about it, if if I was um, had a different blood group, I'm not talking the universal donor blood group, but if if and somebody gave me a transfusion and it's the wrong blood, I might get a, a positive effect, but eventually it'd become toxic within me. And so this energetic womb that we actually hold is actually that that per, parental womb that for that child and holding that space. And what's really fascinating about it is the parent's energy can go into that child for a period of time. It passes through like a a, conscious, a, a, um, a spiritual placenta and that mm. child can actually feed off that parent for a while. And we see that, you know, you, you see kids are an extension of their parents, especially little babies. You can see the parents are off, the kids are off. And then what's happening is, is as they develop bigger and bigger and bigger, they get to the stage where they have to birth themselves. And that usually happens around the age of seven. That's why they say from the zero, ages of zero to seven, um, your base programs are set because you're in a really susceptible environment. So that that womb isn't held, that energetic womb isn't held. What'll happen is that'll be sabotaged and a, a base program that, well, not sabotaged, that base program, if it's not coming from the innate, that innate wisdom, it'll be sabotaged and that person will continue on and they won't actually go through that that, that birth of themselves. They won't flip in. And the, what's fascinating about that birth is actually it's a birth internal. We move from an external-based identity to an internal-based connection. And so mm -hmm. the locus of identity is internal. And so we see this flip occurring. Now, we don't celebrate these within our culture, um, but some of the other cultures, I think the Maoris may, may celebrate these, you know, initiation times. They, certainly I was listening to this beautiful woman talking about when she gets her, you know, the, the, the tattoos that go on. And, and so that's an initiation. That, so it's recognising these changes. And you were talking this beautiful moving from the maiden to the mother. This, this, that's an, and that birth is an initiation. It's an initiation into a, a deeper connection with who you are. Your identity has now moved away from an external based reliance to this internal based knowing. Mm -hmm. And so, 
and so this is where we could this is why we're not seeing we could and I, I don't want to be negative about it but we're seeing it seems to be society seems to be getting a de-evolving we seem mm. to be going back in, in evolutionary steps but in actual fact it's perfect in its design because it's creating the pressure of birth now the wisdom of the midwives which are the people that are doing the work on themselves and and doing the mahi on themselves are actually holding the space for that that those people that are going through the pressure to be able to connect with themselves and birth themselves and i think this is why they try to articulate it very poorly within the re religious framework of christianity being born again you know that's <laughs> basically saying you just you're born being born sort of thing i mean it's very poorly sort of articulated it's, it's more word semantics than the experience of it but yeah that's that's what i'm starting to see is that we, we're seeing and, and i think birth is we we've gone off on the tangent of the butterfly you know the caterpillar and the chrysalis and the and it's a beautiful sort of analogy but man you use birth as an analogy and you start looking at that and you actually start to understand when somebody comes in there and starts doing stretch and sweeps and starts you know trying to um uh, uh induce this child through a chemical means or throwing an episiotomy in there and then starting to throw an epidural in there and you start to and then not only that it's back when they're 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 um starting to become pregnant now before they've even become pregnant as a young woman they're introducing they're saying your hormones are shit we're going to give you birth control hormones mm -hmm. that'll help you with your period mm -hmm. and that'll help you you know just become be into the fullness of womanhood and not only that you can then explore your sexuality to the nth degree and all that sort of stuff so there's this the grooming goes on i love it well, I don't love the term grooming, but I, it's a very art, well articulated. But the grooming goes on very early on, and you can actually understand why. And, and this conversation I had this morning was about ectopic pregnancies. You can understand why these, these, this, this, and so anyone who doesn't understand ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that happens in the fallopian tube, and so the 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 egg isn't fertilized and, and moving into the uterus itself, um, or it hasn't allowed itself to move into that. Because you can get fertilisation within the tube and it can still move through, I think, from memory. That's usually how it happens. Fertilisation yeah, yeah. takes place in the tube. I'm, I've got to go back into my <laughs> memory and this, the whole physiology and anatomy and stuff like that, which yeah. is pretty good. But but then there's an energetic. They, they're talking about the egg actually sends out a signal to the right sperm to come and fertilise it. It's not this like the, the, the fastest swimmer wins. It's, mm -hmm. it's it, There's more mm -hmm. to it. So there's an energetics that's actually sitting there. It's actually calling this soul, this soul connection into being, isn't it? Or it seems like it. Yeah. There you go. There's my rant. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I feel like I kind of had finished um, uh, describing mm. what I wanted to describe around kind of, you know, how I work with people around um healing after a traumatic birth experience um but i guess the, the the one addition i would make to that is um just the growing number of incredible stories i get um the privilege of hearing of people who have worked through their trauma mm. and done a, done a bit of that work um and then they get pregnant again and go on to have these incredibly at healing, positive and empowering birth experiences. Um, back when I first met Lindy, which uh, was, I don't know, maybe a little more than a decade ago, um, I was I had recently put together 
was putting together a book, compiling a book of um, New Zealand home birth stories for this for this reason, like for wanting to, um, you know, the power of the shared story, right? Like I, I said about this at the start of our talk, um, I think it's a beautiful way to to learn and heal and grow and um, and garner information is through story sharing. Um, I think it's beautiful for the person who gets to share their story, um, but also for the for the listeners. It's a, you know, it's a win win. So, um, so I was putting together this book. I've got a copy of it here. I keep looking down. I should just put it, show you on the screen. It's called Where the Heart Is: Stories of Home Birth in New Zealand. Um, and I published it in 2013. But um, one of the chapters in there is called Healing Birth, and it is, and that's the name of my my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the stories of women who have experienced a traumatic first birth and then gone on to find healing. And I, I, I think it's just I. I I'm I'm at a loss for words really to describe how powerful and how far-reaching, how consequential it is when people go through that that dark trauma Mm. um, and they, yeah, and they grow and they learn and they become a different person through healing that trauma. And then it, it doesn't just... Um, heal, mm. help them feel more healed and healed and whole. Um, it, it impacts every person they talk to about <laughs> their birth experience. It impacts mm. their children and their vision of birth. Uh, it impacts their relationship with themselves. It impacts their relationship with their partner. Mm. It just has such incredible ripple effects. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so I, I guess I kind of I I wanted to say that because mm. um, I think for a lot of people they're like you know the damage is done I you know I had that shitty birth I can't go back and change anything mm. and I'm I'm here to say that you know like yeah absolutely you can you can't change the, how that birth was but there is healing available to you and you deserve it and mm. um, and don't doubt how massive massively positive um the impacts of doing that healing can have on your life that's beautiful Uh, i'm i love that i really it it, there is such a there is so much in that and the ripple effect that's actually going on we talk about the um you know morphic resonance uh, rupert sheldrake put that forward as a as a concept as something gets brought into the earth as a wisdom it becomes available all around the world not just through just verbal connection it's just that the energetics of it and this is it's been a i'm not into science because i think science has been so perverted but if we actually look at the wisdom that sort of sits in bringing that knowledge forward it's just so important and i think the speaking this truth and bringing it out we're in a time now where that there there is it is we're highly fertile in this time now this is a time to really to be able to start to create the the conception and the and the gestation period and to bring something more a more beautiful world i can imagine i think charles eisenstein talks about and what that is 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 tapping into that innate and the gift that we actually have as human beings the experience of birth is probably one of the most powerful and and i have to agree i think i think you know um, heal birth, heal the earth is just a very 
there there is there is so much wisdom just in that just even holding that space of those words and understanding what they actually mean to yourself the physiology of of the healing that actually goes on as well um for for a woman um the the the, the change in their physiology it's it's interesting my my the sister and i would were chatting about menopause and menopause is a is is becoming you know, it seems like every second conversation i'm having on this channel um is is about menopause and i mentioned something to my sister and she goes don't you say that m word to me and i went oh okay she says she goes i think it's a crock of shit i think it's a man made concept and i went oh that's really interesting tell me more and i i, I again i i i'm i'm starting to see that there is some some disruptors that have actually gone on because apparently we're the only species so certainly the only mammals that once we stop fertility we don't die we continue on which is a fascinating thing and it's like why are we such an anomaly there now maybe they, there is that space where there is that change within the physiology and that's 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 design uh, rather than disruption and but we move into a different level, which is where we've sort of articulated the Marga and the crone aspects mm-hmm. of things, where there's a different sort of fertility and there's a different sort of mm-hmm. energy where we're now holders of the birth wisdom, we're holders of the the wisdom of of the a uh, you know the generational wisdom, and we're able to bring that forward as a new, a different space. But but then you actually look at it. Why aren't us guys? Uh, you know, we see all these actors you know getting young women pregnant sort of thing and and um and and having kids and they're in their 70s and 80s sort of thing and you're going really so i i don't know i don't know I, that's still an anomaly to me and again I, you know this is not dismissing anyone who's going through the experience of menopause um my wife is actually experiencing the symptoms um that she would attribute to menopause or the health expression as sarah's parent would say it's a health expression coming forward and what does it actually mean mm-hmm. i think I think there's something, there's, there's a real sort of, there's a real wisdom that we're actually seeing within this birth space. And, I, and, and it is so important to actually claim back that, 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 that birth wisdom, to claim mm-hmm. it right back. Because we're seeing, what are we, sitting around 30% for cesareans in hospital? Um, well, more in Australia. Yeah, that's more in Australia. New Zealand now. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a third yeah. of... In New Zealand, a third of labours are being induced. Yeah. Induced. Yeah. Yeah. And this is it. And understanding the induction. Actually, I was going to say kangaroos are an interesting one. So when kangaroos, uh, if they're um, they're pregnant, if there's a um, if they're going into a a drought, they can actually hold the gestation off for a period of time. Wow. They can yeah. actually extend it, and and so. Um, I think it's either extended or whether they can hold them within the pouch. But there is there is that ability to modulate based on the environment, which is fascinating as an example. Mm-hmm. I might have to dig into the the the, the facts behind that. I, I know that that's the case, but whether it's whether it's in the pouch or whether it's in the womb itself, sort of thing, which is fascinating. So, blokes, how are blokes responding to the um, what's coming forward with blokes when they when they're, they're recognizing birth trauma and the impact on those what are you what are you seeing in that space because you said you you don't it's mainly women but there is is, is the the men yeah uh, i i hazard the guess that a lot more men are being traumatized and witnessing their you know the the traumatic birth that their partner is going through um, than 
are talking about. And mm. I think, you know, if it's hard for women to talk about um, their traumatic birth experiences, it's going to be tenfold mm. harder for the men folk who have been conditioned to, you know, be tough and strong and mm. and not, um, you know, cry and all mm. those things. So um, I always love it when I do have partners showing up to one of those unraveling your trauma sessions with um and and I don't know how often it's because the the, the wife or the woman has dragged them along and said I really want you to be here <laughs> how often it's because they've gone actually I'm feeling like I could do with some healing myself because often I hear it's the woman saying to me uh yeah it, it, it was like a really traumatic experience for him as well I think he could you know really do with being there too you know mm-hmm. and I don't think I think it's yeah, so it's interesting. Um, but I just, I feel like everything that I say to her, because when I do have a session with the both of them, I say at the start, you know, I don't have any expectations around your degree of involvement in this conversation today. It's just awesome that you're here and witnessing mm. and, and hearing. And if you do want to contribute your story, if you do want to ask questions, I'm, I'm here for it, but I don't have any expectations on you. And um, it's just awesome that you're here. And mm-hmm. and I really, you know, a lot of the time they don't say a lot, but I do think that it must be really healing for them as well to mm-hmm. hear the things that I say to their, to, you know, around unpacking that birth and like, um, mm-hmm explaining it through a different kind of lens and and the in the tools I suggest, I mean that the father could equally write that letter to the to the to the child and from their perspective, you know, um, and a lot of the other tools that I suggest um would work for, for him too. Mm. Um yeah, I yeah, I don't know the degree to which the men folk are, are being traumatized by birth. And I suspect we've got a ways to go before um, we really have a clear picture about that. Mm, mm. I think it's a yeah. Thank you because I, I it's it's a bit of an unknown. I, I, part of it, I I, I, I feel, what sort of I feel what sort of comes through to me is that I think it's how do we know something's true was a, something that was proposed to me in the past, and for mm. me, what sort of came through was because it's familiar. And there's something, there's a familiarity about it. Sorry, I've just got some. Uh, cool. That's right. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting air conditioning in here, so I try to look like I'm glistening all the time. I need air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> the air con guys come. Um, yeah. So I, what what's coming through to me is, is that how do we know something's true because it's familiar? And, and, and I think there is just a, there is a, a knowing that we, haven't um, been able to express the innate quality that we actually have during a birth when it's been, when there's a trauma that when it's disrupted, and that innate quality is is that holding of that space and the and the witness of the all. Um, I think is is so important and and I think that's probably what sort of sits there is is and again that that then feeds into shame. You know, I'm ashamed that I couldn't protect you. I'm ashamed, which, again, if it's coming from that wounded spa, wounded side of things, protection is rescuing, and that's the that's dysfunctional. That's not how we should be as a male. Um, but as a as being able to the holder of the space, being able to hold that space is a very 
that's that's the that's the healthy masculine that we can see now that that doesn't necessarily attribute to the, the physical male we see that masculine within within that that um the midwife can be that in that space be able to let's lock that space in um but then there's that softness within that space and being able to sort of modulate that space really well in a, in a grounded person and a grounded soul, I think is important. So I think that's probably what we're seeing. But from my experience, the experience that I had when I worked through the connection with my mother, the healing that went on in me, I could actually see how that had, it, not only did it actually heal that relationship I had with my mother, not just for me, but for her. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe that we we can heal back through generations. I, what we actually start to see is it, it, it feeds through as a possibility for future mm. generations to then connect into. So my immediate kids, I'm a grandfather of six kids as well, mm. um, which is amazing. It's a it's such a such a such a privilege. But I'm also I actually had both sets of my grandparents alive up until you know, my mid to late twenties. So actually into the thirties actually. So it's, I've had this very beautiful sort of gift in this life of actually having the generational touch points and being able to see those sorts of things and then actually start to see it moving forward this way. So. Mm. It's a fascinating, and I and I don't take that on lightly as far as the the um, the gift of that, because um, I know there's a richness in that that I then can bring forward again. I keep using the word birth, but I can birth new um, aspects of myself. There's a continual birthing that actually goes on, which is quite amazing. <laughs> hmm. When we look at when we look at that that home birth environment, which is you're being able to hold that beautiful space and 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 seeing the i, I love that that image because I've, I've read so many of the books my mum was very heavily into uh and, uh, she was the uh, did a lot of home birth holding space and and i love that you bloody didn't use that word delivery uh, oh god you, you, no. <laughs> language like you you know we talked maybe it was before you hit record but language yeah. is powerful you know um Mm. And uh, there is a lot of really disempowering language within the birth space. And for somebody to say, for a, a midwife, say, to say, oh, I, you know, I delivered a baby today. It's like, well, like who did the, who did the delivering? Mm. Um, you know, is that, or you'll see a headline, right? Like where it's like father delivers baby in parking lot or on roadside or whatever. Yeah, it's like, yeah. fuck, what? You know, where's, <laughs> yes. the, where's the, like, giving the props to the woman here, the mama who's just birthed the baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so there's, uh, you know, the dad was there to, like, hold his hands out and catch the baby and suddenly he's the headline. Like, what? Yeah. Um, and it's just one of just countless examples of where we um, where we take power away from birthing women, and mm. um, and we yeah don't acknowledge what um, yeah incredibly powerful beings they are as they as they birth new life into the world. Well, if we can, if if this if this. This foundation spot is sabotaged. You can see why we're we're so disconnected, not only the external but that internal environment. When mm-hmm. we sabotage the experience, the the enlightening experience that occurs with a with a woman bringing gestating a child and bringing that and birthing that child, because if we look at the physiology, you think, how the hell is that going to fit? 
you know <laughs> it, it did look it's it, but the ability for that body to to stretch and grow and tear where need, needed is incredible and even down to if we look at it, the pisiotomy for i mean a tall a tear or heel it will stitch better or heal better than a than a, than a cut yeah that side of things as well so there's a there, there is the experience of, of that. But if we sabotage that, we can actually see. So this is where the rescuer comes in. And we see this in a lot of the the, the self-help environments where where everything's set up as follow me. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll do the healing for you. And I, you, you, you call yourself healing birth, but the, the whole aspect of it is actually that you are empowered to, you hold that space through the mm-hmm. wisdom and the understanding and the words and the, and, and, and the, 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 that beautiful structure where that, that woman can then actually come through and actually heal, heal themselves. They can go, I keep coming back to birth analogies, gestates and, and, and actually bring that forward. But I think what we're, we're, we're really seeing as soon as that's sabotaged, we've lost, we've lost the, the momentum. We've lost that. And so we're in an inertia state in some respects um, of, of, and I actually, no, we're not. I'll actually own that. We're not in an inertia state. There has been the challenge to try and put us into an inertia state. And certainly the last four years has been a prime example of that because if we actually look at the seeds that were planted of fear, the virus wasn't, the virus was fear. That was the virus that was planted. And 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 it actually gave you an understanding of how's your how's your resilience to fear? Can you alchemize fear? Because fear is actually an, it's a it's a response that we actually have. But what we've done is we've got this um, groomed environment. I'm going to keep I'm going to use that word. We've got this groomed mm-hmm. environment which has actually sabotaged our ability to de deregulate. Uh, it sabotaged our ability to regulate fear. And it's gone into this dysregulation state. So we go, yeah, we go from a feeling to this emotional charge, this zero to a thousand degrees. And then we once it goes into emotions, that's in your physiology. Feelings are different. That's what I start to see. But once it's emotion, once you've got emotion, it's in your physiology. Now, what what's who's regulating that emotion? Because the emotion of birth is quite incredible. But what it does is it actually doesn't stay as a toxicity in your body when you ex- when a woman experiences that. It actually has an incredibly opening. It actually opens yeah. that person up, as we see with the birth canal. It opens that that that, that up when that that complete and utter fullness and connection with that body just prior. You know, for anyone who works, and I, I, I don't know, probably the language has changed a bit, but the three the transition stage of birth is that almost that stuck phase of like that's that's the stage where where you're going from one realm into this yeah. new beginning of who you are that yeah. that transition you hear a lot of language i'm stuck i can't do this i don't want to do this i mean no no and then there there is a there is when they meet themselves and i hear these stories these beautiful birth stories when they meet themselves and they surrender that surrender actually softens, and it's the we get this beautiful release of relaxing. I think it is, and it, yeah, this beautiful sort of opening actually goes on, and then the birth begins to go, and it's very quick a lot of the times once they hit that stage, isn't it? It just, but 
But then also we look at it, people go, well, what about a placenta previa? What about a, a, a breech birth? What about this and what about that? I mean, a placenta previa, as we know, it's a very interesting state. So for anyone who doesn't understand, that's when the placenta is actually covering over or, or occluding part or all of this, the cervix. So that the child isn't able to go through that apparently. But I've heard stories. I've heard mm. stories where the placenta is birthed first. Mm. Um which is fascinating as well. So I, I again, you know, I'm not, a, a, you know, but yeah. Do you want to talk into a little bit about the the like a breach? Let's go breach birth because a placenta previa can throw us down into some angles and di- directions that people may get a little bit thrown by. But but let's go to, let's go the breach birth. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure what you want to know about it, but I would say um, that you know breach, which is where the baby is uh, positioned, sort of bottom first or feet first rather than head down um Mm. it it's not particularly uncommon Mm. but there is a lot of fear around it um and there are fewer and fewer birth attendants who feel um equipped i guess and safe to uh support a vaginal breech Mm. birth um which is such a shame because breech babies <laughs> usually mm. born beautifully, you know, like um it's it's a it's a it's a variation of normal. It's a, it's another way that babies sometimes come into the world. And mm. I think that if a baby has gotten itself into a breech position, there's probably some wisdom behind that that just because we don't know what that is, um it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And mm. And, and so, like, I think back to a, a story of a woman who I worked with many years ago now. She wasn't pregnant. Um, she'd given birth to two babies, and they've both been traumatic birth experiences, but she wanted to find some healing before she before she would allow herself to consider another pregnancy because um, she wanted a lot of children. And because her and her partner wanted a lot of children from the get-go, they she knew she really wanted to do everything she could to avoid a cesarean Um, because, well, you know, each cesarean that you have kind of increases risks around more, you know, Mm. more babies being born. So um, anyway, she was near the end of her her first pregnancy and um, the midwife discovered that the baby was breech Mm -hmm. and this was at about like 36 or 37 weeks or something maybe. And... um, and the midwife said to her, uh, you can either go for an ECV, which is an um, an external cephalic version, which means that, you know, the obstetrician manually tries to, from that outside of the woman woman's body, turn the baby into a head-down position. Mm-hmm. Um, or we book you in for an elective caesarean. And this woman was like... There's no way I want a cesarean, so book me in for the ECV thing. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And um, and so she went for this procedure, but in trying to turn the baby, the placenta, which is one of the one of the um, complications that can happen with this intervention, um, the placenta sort of got pulled away from the wall of her uterus a bit. She had a placental abruption and a, a very serious. Mm. Um, thing to have happen and had to be rushed for an emergency caesarean mm. um, and you know like I just think when she was sharing her story with me and she said and the midwife told me I could either book an ECB or book an elective caesarean where was the option to say 
no, vaginal breech birth. Um, it's it's not commonly advised because there are some more risks associated with breech birth. But you know, the and these are the risks. Um, but there are midwives out there who will support you to to have a vaginal breech birth. Mm. Do you want me to put you in touch with one of them? It's like this, yeah, this mm. whole concept of informed decision making and consent is gone out the window when it comes to birth. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, some of the stories in my book are vaginal breech births. Um, mm. And in fact, I've got a photographic. A story in there of um, a breech birth, and wow. that baby was eleven pound two. Wow! <laughs> and the photos are awesome. The mum is standing up, and you know, like, um, yeah, 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 yeah. bottom first baby. Um, so yeah, there is a lot of fear and mistrust around mm. uh, breech births. Um, so this is the thing is, is that, and the chat I had this morning with this, this beautiful. Um, woman who cut my hair um, was around not knowing even what an ectopic pregnancy is, not actually understanding what how the, the physiology works. So like I'm here I am a 53-year-old male. Now I've I've been gifted a beautiful sort of sojourn into this. So I've got and my background's in I've got a Bachelor of Human Movement Science as well. So there is a real sort of I, I guess I can under, I can I can step into the language of physiology and, and anatomy and pathophysiology and that side of things and and I can grasp it because it, I'm interested in it. Um, but it doesn't mean because I've done the degree I can do that. I've actually learnt more from after the degree. I've probably let all that shite go and have actually gone into a into a greater understanding of things. But I think what we see is is that the the understanding of actually how the body actually works and and, and the, the female body actually works is not is certainly not in the schooling environment. There's certainly nothing that's really discussing that from that that wisdom perspective. You know, we're the elders going in there who are actually talking about uh, talking about birth, and if it's not experienced, and if a mother of these these young girls and these young women hasn't actually gone into the understanding of birth themselves and understanding the experience, the significance of it, the actual significance of it, then what we're actually seeing is, is that we're perpetuating this dysfunction as we go along. Yeah. I mm. I was a um I became a high school teacher after I left midwifery. So when my daughter was yeah. starting school, I was starting teaching at a high school. Yeah. And um and science and biology were my subject my subjects and um and so I had the privilege um of being able to teach you know teenagers about um reproduction and wow. <laughs> and that wow. role and it was epic because of course I was seeing pictures of like my home birth and um mm. you know hearing about uh, you know breastfeeding my children till they were three or um mm. or about things like you know um delayed cord clamping and mm. all sorts of things that it's like you're right we don't we're not taught about any of this stuff um uh, you know there were some fortunate kids out there who had um happy home birth Carla here as their teacher for, for <laughs> <laughs> that incredible to actually pass it on because I actually had my um, um my niece and nephew at the time and um, well um Heidi and I had split up um after that, but they were they were twins born at home at our house, mm, um, and yeah. that was incredible. And and yeah, an, an amazing birth, an amazing birth. Two incredible, incredible. One Canadian midwife and another Australian midwife, 
Claire and Sue, and and they were just incredible. What they how they held that space, and um, there was some intervention required. So this is the wisdom that came in with with the the young lad that was born, and um, and yeah, but it was as all of us stepped into that space holding and that energy of that and that side of things, and and yeah, it was just quite amazing. But I think this is what we actually find is is that we've evolved. We've got we've got this tribal innate understanding but we also have a little bit of understanding about um well uh, there are times that caesar is absolutely required because something has gone array there and and but the thing is is that we've got to place that underneath the importance of the innate birth and what and and because we know even even as the child goes through the birth canal, they inoculate their gut through the bacteria within the vaginal canal. And and okay. if that inoculation hasn't gone on, we can actually understand why these children are born with this this gut. And then it, medical interventions that happen later on as well, you know, that are imposed are actually causing potential of of mucking around with the the gut and brain flora as yep. well. So so yep. there's this this hot yeah, I'm full of controversy here, guys. Um, but um. But I think this is what we're actually finding. Hey, Carla, we're going to have to, I'm going to tap out here because I think we've got so much more to chat about and we're going to go down on so many different avenues. And I think mm. let's let this one sort of marinate out, out there. Um, I'll share the recording with you. So even if you want to throw that on your podcast, if you feel that or share it with anyone. Yeah. Um, and even with blokes and stuff like that. But I'll put it on my podcast in the, in the next couple of weeks because we need I, 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 the importance of actually getting this understanding out there um, and, and really starting to to say you know this is this is this is the innate this is where truth sits this is the wisdom that we actually have and i i think what we're seeing is is that we how the healing of the earth comes through is not through the wounded dark feminine it's the dark feminine or, or that is actually brought it into the light and we've, we've there's some beautiful work that have actually done it they've done that healing journey in themselves be it a birth healing or what or anything else uh, they've brought that forward into a wisdom you, you are beautiful Carla I, I absolutely love you I think you're amazing what you've done um, I love that butterfly just sitting there just like yes <laughs> oh, but is, Chief, if you're listening rather than watching I've got a, <laughs> a butterfly, a butterfly tattoo well I've got a tattoo of, it looks like Superman, super but it's, actually, it's actually superwoman so that was my mum Right. So I got that as my mum, you know, as a as a, a superwoman because she tried to bring the wisdom through knowledge, um, mm-hmm. a little bit of innate, and and didn't quite find the balance um, for. Well, she experienced what she experienced. So, um, but uh, she's the wisdom's has passed on generationally. So that's what's sitting in me as well, which is beautiful. All right, Carl. I'm going to hit stop. Anything you want to add? I'll I'll we'll, I'll, I'll connect in you, and we'll get all the all the information about. The, the healing birth business that you do. Um, I tell you what, anyone who's actually gone through um, what they would deem as a, tra- a traumatic birth or any birth, actually, because sometimes we don't know what's trauma until we actually start to have a little bit of a look at it, connecting with Carla. Um, I, I, I think the more we can actually get this, this healing going on, the more we can get these bloody powerful women stepping up. Mm, I will just say too, Duncan, that, you know, that as part of my role as a birth trauma healer and educator the mm-hmm. educator piece so i train others uh, in the art and science of holistic birth trauma healing so i mm. train others to become skilled at doing what i do so there's not it's not just um 
me out there kind of doing this sort of work there are a growing there's number too many <laughs> there's too many you haven't got enough time in your lifetime to actually work through it so yeah that's great so yeah. being able to teach 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 the teachers and uh, teach the holders of that yeah. space, which is so i have a lot of midwives and doulas and and um childbirth educators and and people who aren't in the in the birth work field um come through my training and become a yeah. certified healing birth practitioner which is really really awesome oh, i'm glad you're doing that because i, I think we, we keep birth we keep sharing i keep saying birthing keep sharing this knowledge through we keep moving it yeah. through and and we we start to call out the the wisdom and we bring that in which is which is amazing big love you're amazing oh, thank um, you. i'll hit stop and we'll have a quick chat and then uh yeah look guys this is uh, definitely there'll be another part two. Um, we'll let this one marinate and work out what's coming forward or what colour may want to bring forward as well. All right. Thanks. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.